All right, so the question I want to start off with this morning is, in your opinion, what makes a person perfect? What would a perfect, per, a perfect person be like? What, would, what characteristics would they have? I mean, you might be thinking like it's someone who's walked with the Lord the longest, and that's possibly. Um, or maybe it's someone who doesn't have any obvious flaws, something like that. But according to the Bible, a perfect person is someone who is able to control their tongue. Uh, James, again, in James 3, verse 2, he says, For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect person. Able also to bridle his whole body. So how many perfect people do we have here this morning? If you could just raise your hand so we could identify those people, that'd be great. Able to control what you say. If a person does not stumble in what they say, they're perfect. You ever stumbled in what you say? Does that characterize you? Yeah, me too, obviously. Like I'm going to be preaching to myself probably more than you this morning. So we're, we're in this together. The Bible says a perfect person can control their tongue, and, and the tongue is so small that you would think this should be pretty easy for us, right? But again, wrong. Because James says in James verse uh, 8 of chapter 3, no human being can tame the tongue. So maybe you thought you had hope there for your sake. You're like, all right, I'm just going to buckle down. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. James says, actually, no human being can tame the tongue, which means you're not perfect. And this side of glory, you're not going to be perfect. And he says, it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. That's what our tongues are full of. I think it was John Calvin who said that there was a world of evil on the tip of the tongue. And we know that that is true. Our words, they are full of deadly poison, which means that our words have consequences, right? I mean, you know the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Which is just not true, right? Like, I mean, I think the guy who wrote that must have been a hermit or something. Like, words will never hurt you. Did you just skip seventh grade? Was that you? Because I went to seventh grade. Words can hurt. Trust me, Jordan deals with seventh graders. They still hurt. So, yeah, words obviously can hurt. We use our words to tear people down. We, we like, just use our words to cut people and and just sling all these mean, hateful comments at others. And, And you know that that'll stick with you, right? Like if in, in, in one day, if someone were to come and give you 100 compliments and then one other person came and they just said one really mean, nasty thing about you, when you go to bed that night, what are you going to be thinking about? The 100 compliments or the one mean thing? Yeah, obviously the mean thing, right? Like that's how our words, they stick with us. They hurt us and they, they have this ability to, to control us in some ways and how we feel and, and what it does to our perception of ourself. And, and so the Bible is saying here you, you have the power of death and life in the power of tongue, which means that there's also good news, right? For as bad as our tongues are, as bad and hurtful as our words can be, the Bible also says well, there's life in the tongue, that your words can bring life to someone. And I mean, you know that's true, right? Like we all love being around people who are encouraging and uplifting, who are, who are going to you know, speak words of life into our life. If you need someone like this, I would encourage you to talk with Jessica Massey. She's got half the thesaurus memorized. So like she'll hit you with adjectives you didn't even know existed. So if you ever need a word of encouragement, just see Jessica, okay? Because she will lay it on you. But this is the power of words, right? Like I, I for instance, in my office, I've got this whole section in my office where I keep every single note, 
card or word of encouragement I've ever received from you as the church. So if, you, if you've sent me a card at some point, I still have it. You might thought I threw it away, but I did not. It's still in my office because on my bad days when I am being torn down or the enemy's attacking me or I just need a word of encouragement, I go to that section in my office and I reread all those things because they breathe life into my life. And we all need that, don't we? Words are powerful. We know the effect that our words have on others. We know the effect a bad word will have. We know the effect a good word will have. A word will have. But so often we don't actually think about the full effect of our words as we use them. Very often we use our words to tear others down and rip them apart. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm 64.3 that people wet their tongues like a sword and aim bitter words like arrows. So that's how the Bible describes our words. They're like swords that are meant to cut people. They're like arrows that are aimed right at the hearts of people. And the thing is, we know this, we see this, we can see it play out in our lives, and we continue to use our words to tear people down. And what I want you to understand this morning as we study this verse together, here's the whole point, is that with our words, we will either speak life or we will spew death. Those are the two options. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So your two options, you're either going to speak life or you're going to spew death. And the question that I want us to consider as we think about this is, well, what is it that determines whether we're going to speak life or death? If those really are our only two options, we're going to speak life, we're going to spew death, what is it that's ultimately going to determine what we're going to speak? And I want you to look again at the first part of the verse we're looking at this morning. Proverbs 18, 21. <clears throat> Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, you wouldn't think that the Bible would attribute so much power to something like the tongue, to something like our words, but it does. It says that's how powerful your words are. You have death and life. I read the story recently of a, uh, a woman who ended up committing suicide. And she left a note, but her note simply said, they said. And that was it. People in her life had used their words to tear her down and rip her apart so much that she felt like her only legitimate option was to take her own life. People had used their words to breathe death into her life, and so she ultimately took her own life. I think we also know of the many circumstances that we're hearing about these days, heartbreaking of all the children and youth who are being so verbally bullied at school that they end up taking their own lives. And then we try to tell ourselves, well, words aren't that big of a deal. Just get over it. It was just words that sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And yet people are literally taking their own lives because the people's words have hurt them so much because it has torn them down. And so listen, we might be careless with our words, throwing around all these insults and hateful comments, but the Bible says that God is paying attention to absolutely everything that we are saying. And this should terrify you. Matthew chapter 12 Verses 36 through 37, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Do do we hear that, church? If you need something to tense up about this morning, 
On judgment day, you will give an account for every single careless word you speak. For by your words, you'll be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. So I want us to think about that. Like, how often do we just say the first thing that comes to our mind? Yeah? How often do we just say something without thinking about it at all? We don't give it proper thought. We don't think about the ramifications of what we say. We just throw around all these careless words. And the Bible says, listen, God is paying attention to absolutely everything you're saying. And on judgment day, you will give an account for every word you've uttered. Anybody looking forward to that? No, not me. Yeah, especially ages 0 to 19. That's not going to be fun to give an account for. But that's what the Bible says. And the Bible is saying here that we need to give serious thought to the things we say. In other words, listen to me, church. You don't need to vocalize everything that comes to your mind. Amen? Yeah? Like my mom used to tell me that growing up all the time, and I just discounted her completely. I was like, ah, she doesn't know what she's talking about. But I would always do that. You don't need to say the first thing that comes to your mind. You don't need to vocalize every thought that comes to your mind. Listen to me, for the younger people, you don't actually have to post on social media. Like, there's no requirement. You can have it and never post. So you don't have to post every one of your thoughts and just put that out there for everyone to read. You are allowed to think with your mouth closed. Can we agree? Yeah. Like, you want to take something away? Just take that away. Store it for later. You're allowed to think with your mouth closed, and I would encourage you to do so. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 28, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. So if you keep quiet, people will think you're intelligent. They'll think you're wise. They'll be like, oh, look at this person. He's not even saying anything. He's so wise. Good for him. But as soon as you open your mouth, you can't take that word back, can you? And people realize what kind of person you are then. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Think with your mouth closed. Don't rush to speak. Don't don't try to vocalize or verbalize everything that comes to your mind because if you do that, you're going to end up in trouble. Can we get an amen? Has your mouth ever gotten you in trouble? Not me. I can't relate. I can't. Of course. Yeah, obviously. My mouth got me in trouble just then. Right? So the Bible says, Proverbs 18, 6 through 7, this is how our mouths get us into trouble. A fool's lips walk into a fight. His mouth invites a beating. Amen and amen. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. That's what the Bible is saying. Here's the reason you want to try to keep quiet. Here's the reason you want to try to think about the things that you're saying. Your mouth will invite a beating in your life. It will be your downfall. It will be your ruin. And you put all this together... And here's what the Bible is trying to get us to see this morning. It's it's that our words are actually the best indicator of who we are as a person. And maybe you've never thought about that before. But it's actually true. Your words are the best indicator of who you are as a person. And I say that because of this, Matthew 12, 34. This is Jesus speaking to a bunch of religious people. You brood of vipers. How can you speak good? When you were evil, for out of the abundance of the heart, what happens, church? The mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So here's what I want you to understand. Your mouth, your words, they are a billboard for your heart. Your words tell people what your heart 
is full of. Because the Bible says your heart is actually like this container and it's overflowing and the overflow has to come out somewhere and it just happens to come out of your mouth. So whatever is in your heart, whatever it's full of, that's going to come out of your mouth. And so your mouth is telling people what's in your heart. So if you go around speaking hate, put very simply, it means that your heart is overflowing with hate. Not just that you have some hate in your heart. Do we understand that? It's that your heart is overflowing with hate. If you are the type of person who's constantly going around putting other people down and talking bad about them, it means your heart is full of wickedness. If you're going around gossiping about other people, it means that your heart is full of sin. If you use your words to create division, it means that your heart is literally overflowing with divisiveness. Your words tell people what's in your heart and your heart tells us who you are. And yet we downplay our words, do we not? Your words tell us what's in your heart and your heart tells us who you are. The Bible says in Proverbs twenty-seven nineteen, As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. So uh, you go to a stream, you go to a water source, and you look in, and you see a reflection. You never go, oh, that's not me. (laughs) That must be someone else. No, you look, and you're seeing who you are, right? So you might be hearing me say all this this morning. You go, well, pastor, it's really not that big of a deal. Like, occasionally I'll say some bad things. Occasionally I'll say some hurtful things. I might struggle in this area. But that's not really who I am. Well, the Bible says it is. You can't deny your reflection and you can't deny what's in your heart based on the things you're saying. Your words are telling us who you are. And and listen to me, if you're one of these Christians that's going around constantly spewing hate from your mouth and then turning around and trying to tell others that you love Jesus, all you're doing is showing yourself to be a hypocrite. I mean, isn't that one of the worst things that we see in our world are people who claim to be Christians. They sit here every single Sunday. They're part of the church. I love Jesus. I'm a Christian. And then you talk to them, and they are the meanest, most hateful, vile people you've ever talked to sometimes. I guess you're not talking to the same people, right? You think all Christians are just lovey-dovey? Can we be honest and say Christians can be pretty mean sometimes, right? And doesn't it make Jesus look bad? I mean, if I was not a Christian and I saw some Christians who claim to love Jesus saying the type of things that they're going around saying all the time, I'd say, I want nothing to do with Jesus. We are giving our Savior and His church a bad name because we are failing to be who He calls us to be. We are showing ourselves to be utter hypocrites. That's what the Bible says in James chapter 3, verses 9-12. through 12. The Bible says, talking about the tongue, "...with it we bless our Lord and Father." And with it, we curse people who were made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh water and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Do you see what the Bible is saying there? The Bible is saying you cannot claim to love Jesus and have a constant, consistent pattern of hateful speech in your life because a spring does not produce both fresh water and salt water. 
You cannot praise the Lord with your lips and also curse those made in His image. You're showing yourself to be a hypocrite. And I've, I've dealt with this. I've been on the receiving end of it. I was on the phone with a guy one time, and I, I'm not exaggerating. He was cussing me out for over an hour and a half, close to two hours, laying into me. I mean, saying the meanest, most vile, hateful things you could possibly imagine. Just poison spewing out of his mouth. And this is not a lie. This is not a joke. He literally ended our conversation by saying, Listen, man, all I know is I'm a Christian and I love Jesus. And that's that. And I was thinking, what now? (laughs) Just cuss me out. For nearly two hours, saying, again, some of the meanest, most vile, hateful things you can imagine. And ended the conversation by saying, but I'm a Christian and I love Jesus. And I remember thinking to myself, not according to the Bible. You might disagree with my opinion, but you can't disagree with what God says here. I mean, obviously, Christians, we will stumble in what we say. Yes, we've already admitted we're not perfect. We're not going to be perfect this side of glory. We're going to stumble in what we say. We're going to say things that we regret, right? We're going to say a bunch of things that we wish that we could take back, wish that we had never said in the first place. But listen to me here. Christians do not consistently speak death. The words of Christians are not to be characterized by consistent pattern of hatred and malice and division and cursing and wickedness. That's not the heart of a Christian. And we need to remember this in all the areas of our lives because this reaches into every area of our lives. Amen? I mean, think about the church, for instance. And we're all here this morning. If you're going around talking bad in the church setting, if you're gossiping, complaining, if you're saying mean and hurtful things about me or Jordan or the church or anyone else in this church, you're not helping the church. You're hurting it. Do you understand this? Like people in here, they say, oh, I love the church. I want to see good things happen. Speak words of life. Don't be tearing down the church. Don't be tearing down those who are made in the image of God. The same likeness. We cannot build if people are constantly tearing down. Do we get that? It is impossible for us to build and do good things for God if people are constantly tearing down and speaking death into this church. And so don't do that. Speak words of life into this church and use your words to build it up. I mean, think about your relationships, for instance, all the relationships you have in your life, but but think about marriage, for instance. One of the reasons that so many marriages are shaky today is because we are using our words to chip away at the foundation of our marriages. So husbands and wives, if you are constantly putting down your spouse... If you're constantly saying mean things about them, tearing them down, and then you try to play it off like, oh, I'm just joking. I didn't really mean it. It was just a joke. We're just playing around. You're chipping away at the foundation of your marriage. You are speaking death into your marriage. You're contributing to the death of your marriage. If you're never encouraging your spouse or speaking life into them, why would you expect your relationship to be thriving? There will be no life If all they hear is death constantly. As followers of Christ, we're called to honor God in all areas of our lives, including our words. 
And again, we're not perfect, but the one reason that Christians are able to display a consistent pattern of speaking life into the the lives of others is because we have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, when we came to faith in Christ, He literally removes our heart of stone and He gives us a new heart. He gives us a heart of flesh, a heart that's been softened to the things of God and made new for His purposes. The Bible says that Jesus has cleansed our hearts with his own blood. The Bible says that Jesus purifies the springs of our hearts so they'll begin to pour forth fresh water and no longer salt water. The only reason we can do this is because Jesus has given us new life in him. It has nothing to do with us. It's not because we're better than others. It's because the Holy Spirit has done a great work in our lives through repentance and faith in Christ. And so here's what I want you to understand this morning. I want you to get this truth. Those who have life speak life. But those who are spiritually dead speak death. Those who have life speak life. But those who are spiritually dead speak death. And what I want you to do this morning is I want you to think about your own life right now. I want you to ask yourself this question. Are my words primarily characterized by life or by death? Is the pattern of my speech a pattern of building up or tearing down? Because listen, if you have been brought to new life in Christ, your heart should be pouring forth life-giving words. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may may give grace to those who hear. If you're a Christian this morning, listen to me, this is what you are to do. Use your words to build up others. Use your words to build up this church. Use your words to build up your spouse, your family members, your friends. You might say, well, pastor, but what what about when they're mean to me? What about when they're speaking death into my life constantly? What do we do then? Continue to speak life. (laughs) Meeting death with death does no one any good, right? We meet death with life. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verses 38 through 42, You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. And so listen, when others are speaking ill of you, when they slander you, when they tear you down and they spew death into your life, the Bible says meet it with life. Continue to breathe life into others and build them up. Because listen, no one on earth who has ever lived has ever been more maligned and slandered than Jesus, and yet he continually spoke words of life, did he not? But something I do want to make clear to us this morning, because there's something that gets really confused here, right? Death and life, they're in the power of the tongue. I'm telling you, as Christians, we're supposed to build others up. We're supposed to speak life into their lives. And I do not want you to hear me say, that means I have to just speak pleasantries all the time. That's not true. 
That's one way this verse is misunderstood. Well, I just have to speak pleasantries all the time. I just have to think of a bunch of compliments and just only be speaking compliments all the time, something that's nice all the time. That's not what this verse is saying at all. Because sometimes the only way to speak life into someone's life is to speak a hard truth into their life, right? I mean, for instance, we have a great example of this in the Bible. Do you remember when Paul had to confront Peter? We read about it in Galatians chapter 2. Uh, Peter, he had been uh, preaching the gospel to Gentiles. He had been hanging out with Gentiles, welcoming them, in, welcoming them into the kingdom, like doing all these good things, preaching the gospel message. Everything was great. But then a bunch of high-ranking Jews from Jerusalem came to Peter. And as soon as those high-ranking Jews from Jerusalem came to Peter, Peter's like, I don't even talk to Gentiles. Like, we don't, we don't hang out. I don't know them. We didn't exchange numbers. None of that, right? He just completely cuts the Gentiles out of his life entirely. He's not around them. He's not talking to them. He's not preaching to them. He's not eating with them. And Paul saw this, and he's like, you hypocrite. What are you doing? And so in, in typical Paul fashion, Paul goes right to Peter, as Peter is eating and surrounded by these high-ranking Jews from Jerusalem, and Peter says, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like a Jew? And, and he's essentially saying, Peter, brother, you are living and acting hypocritically. And that hypocritical lifestyle is undermining the message of the gospel that you preach. Now listen, if you're Peter, would that be fun to hear? You going to feel real encouraged after that? Especially as you're around all your new friends from Jerusalem? No, it's, it's not fun to hear. It's not a pleasantry. It's not a compliment. But it was a true message and a life-giving message that Peter desperately needed to hear so that he would return to living a consistent lifestyle. The way the Proverbs says it is this, is Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse, or many, are the kisses of an enemy. Do you hear what the Bible's telling you there? The Bible's telling you to beware of those who are never going to tell you the hard truths. Beware of those who are only going to speak niceties and pleasantries to you in your life. Beware of those who only ever say good things all the time and will never confront you with a hard truth. They are not your friends. They are your enemies. But the Bible says you can trust the wound of a friend. It hurts. It hurts real bad sometimes, doesn't it? But it's needed and it's life-giving. So this, this verse is not primarily about speaking nice, pleasant things against uh, speaking hateful things. This verse is primarily about two things. Number one, it comes down to the position of your heart. And number two, it comes down to the intent behind your words. Are you aiming to build others up with your words or are you seeking to tear others down with your words? Is your goal in what you say to encourage someone else or is it to injure someone else? Are your words coming from a place of love or from a place of malice? Because I want you to remember, your words are telling us what's in your heart, and your heart is telling us who you actually are. You might pretend to be someone else, but your words, they're telling us what's in your heart, and your heart is telling us what's, or who you really are. So speak words of life. 
And one final thing, I just want to say this as, as we close, you know, I'll make it as quick as I can. The other thing this verse is telling us is it's actually saying you can pay attention to your words and know what to expect in your own life. Because did you see the, the second part of verse 21? It says, those who love it will eat its fruits. Now, what does that mean? Those who love it will eat its fruits. It's kind of like another saying we have, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Right? So if, if you live a violent lifestyle, you can expect violence in your own life. Or uh, what goes around comes around. You reap what you sow. These are all the same ideas going on here, but with regard to our speech. Here's the idea that I want you to understand. He's saying, hey, if you love speaking life-giving words, you're going to eat the fruit of that. And if you love speaking hateful words, you're going to eat the fruit of that as well. And so the point is this, your life will mirror your speech. Your life will mirror your speech. And again, that's not fun, right? Anybody super excited about that? Like, it, these aren't fun things, but they're necessary. You know, you might be thinking, well, pastor, why are you even preaching on this? Why does this matter? Did you know in the book of Proverbs, the most talked about thing throughout the entire book of Proverbs is the issue of your mouth? That's why we're talking about it, because this matters to God. Proverbs addresses the mouth and our speech more than anything else. And the Bible is telling us here, hey, listen, however you're, you're speaking to others, you can expect that in your own life because your life is going to mirror your speech. Again, I remember talking with a guy another time, having another fun conversation. And he was complaining and he was saying, everyone's talking bad about me. I always have drama going on in my life. People are always saying mean things about me. People are being hurtful. No one loves me. Everyone's just trying to fight with me. This is not fair. Woe is me. So on and so on. And the thing is, this person that I was talking to loved doing that in his own life. He loved stirring up drama. He loved fighting with people. He loved arguing. He loved spewing hatred. He loved putting other people down. He loved causing fights and causing division. He loved it. This is what he lives for. And then when he, he was having to eat its fruit in his own life, he's like, what is this? What did I do? Why is this happening to me? And I'm sitting there going, your, your life is mirroring your speech. You're eating the fruits of what you're putting out there. This is exactly what you can expect. And so maybe this will help you make sense of your own life. Because listen, if you're the type of person who loves gossiping about other people, expect other people to gossip about you. If you're the type of person who's constantly arguing and fighting with others, you can expect other people to argue and fight with you. If you have a habit of creating division, you're going to expect there to be division in your relationships, in your life. If you're going to talk like a tyrant, guess what? People are going to treat you like a tyrant. Your life is going to mirror your speech. But you know, the, also, the opposite is also true, right? If you're the type of person who, who loves being encouraging and uplifting and speaking life-giving words to others, you're going to find that you normally receive those things back in your life. Those who are kind and gracious and understanding and compassionate, they do usually experience that same thing in their lives. Now let me preface this or, or put a little caveat here. This isn't always true, okay? 
The book of Proverbs, these are general truths, general principles, but they are not a guarantee 100% all the time. Because you can speak life to others and show them grace and mercy, and you're still going to have people gossip about you. You're still going to have people try to fight with you. They're still going to slander you. Like, there are going to always be haters, right? Do we understand that? So I'm not saying, hey, just start being nice to people and people will be nice to you. That's not how it works. But generally speaking, it is how it works, right? In general, if you are speaking life into others and showing grace and compassion and mercy, expect to receive that in your own life. But if you are a hostile person and you're constantly putting other people down and talking bad about them and picking them apart and gossiping and slandering and creating division, you can expect that in your life too. This is the power of the tongue, folks. Life and death. And so what do we do? Well, we could try the old pull ourselves up by the bootstraps method, but James has already told us that's not going to work, right? (laughs) Isn't it amazing that there's a redemptive aspect to even our words? It's like when Jesus came to this earth, he was leaving no part of us untouched. He cares about every single part of us. And so he sees in this world this consistent pattern of hateful speech, of tearing people apart, of putting down those who are made in the image of God. And Jesus' answer to our hateful speech is to go right to the root of the problem, which is our hearts. He comes to this world to remove those hearts of stone and give us new hearts. The old one will not do, will it, church? You have to get rid of it. You have to receive that new heart. You have to be born again. You have to become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And when you do, you receive that new heart. It is cleansed by the blood of Jesus. It is purified so that it will pour forth fresh water and no longer salt water. And finally, your words can begin to please God and build others up because Jesus has done a great work in your life. That is the hope of our hateful speech. It has nothing to do with how much control you might have over it. It has everything to do with how close you are to Jesus. Are you walking with the Savior? And if you are, if you have been born again, if you do have that new heart that has been cleansed, then you need to follow the example of our Savior and use your words to speak life and build others up. Amen?